Welcome to another edition of In Conversation with Ridouts, a series of discussions we are putting out there for providers of health and social care services, where we chat about hot topics within the sector and issues that our clients are interested in. Today I'm joined by our Managing Director, Paul Ridout, who is going to be speaking to me about the CMA and how that might be impacting on care contracts. So thank you, Paul, for joining me. It's my pleasure, Judy. I wanted to start by just saying that we've had a lot of interest from clients about this particular subject, mainly in the sense that they don't really understand what the CMA is for a start, how they will have an impact on their business and what it means for them going forward in terms of contracts. So would you mind giving us a little bit of an overview on what this means for health and social care providers? Yes, of course. Um, the CMA is the Competition and Markets Authority. It is the national watchdog which makes sure that dealings for consumers of goods and services are contracted on a basis which is fair and open and transparent. And the Competition and Markets Authority has just started to express an interest in contracts for the provision of social care of various types, either residential care or um, daycare but more residential care. And I should say at the outset that consumers are people who pay their own fees. Mm -hmm. This does not apply to local authority contracts. Latterly, the CMA has suggested it might do, but actually it will never apply to a contract between a provider and the local authority. It might just apply to a collateral agreement about expectations of service standards, but I hope that the CMA will stay away from that because that's CQC's function, the Care Quality Commission, and they should be looking at the delivery of service standards within services. Yeah. So yes, it's a new regulator. In my view, it's unwelcome. We've got local authority safeguarding teams, we've got the Care Quality Commission, all with extensive powers, either that are existing in statute or which are taken as being extensive in the case of local authorities. We don't need another regulator. But it is an important topic and it is important that people get it right. So why now, Paul? Why has the CMA suddenly become interested in this sector? I don't know, actually, to be completely transparent. Um, so if I talk a little bit about my experience over the last years. Mm. Care providers are seen as a last resort, particularly residential care. I think there was a perception on the part of the CMA as a, an overall consumer fairness regulator mm -hmm. that here was an area where people might be exploited. Uh, I don't believe that that is as, as obvious as it is. What is clear from my experience is that people are not particularly careful about how they enter into contracts and how they inform people about the details of contractual terms so that people understand exactly what to expect um, as their contract proceeds. And bearing in mind, Jenny, that these, and if we buy a car or a piece of clothing or we buy a package holiday or we go on a cruise, that's a relatively short scale experience. But a purchase of long-term residential care is for probably years maybe many, many years, and it, the contract will have to survive changes in circumstance. People become more frail, they become 
um, more dependent mm -hmm. and they may have a situation sadly where the center where they are living is no longer able to cope if their de dementia advances so that they become more challenging in their behavior which is social workers speak for probably becoming antisocial um, violent and danger to themselves and others differences will be will emerge and this contract will have to manage a process which may be quite disruptive to the provider and to the individual mm. so it's really quite important CMA are concerned not with the principal terms so CMA are not concerned with how much money is paid they are concerned with collateral and for the lawyers among you this 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 arrangement had its origin in the unfair contracts terms act of 1977 which has been consolidated into the consumer rights act of 2015 and that's where this comes from and the competition and markets authority has extensive powers either on behalf of consumers or in its own right to intervene to seek court decisions that certain types of behavior are unfair and that's its ultimate role it's the courts that will decide but the competition and markets authority will put quite a lot of pressure on people to come to agreements there's 150 pages of guidance from the competition and markets authority about the way in which contracts should be formulated the type of issues that might arise my first area that I want people to concentrate on which I think is the most important is this long-term contract is going to be negotiated in quite distressing circumstances often the person who might be older or might be um, becoming more dependent in a very distressing way at a younger age probably doesn't want to go into care their family may not want them to go into care they're independently funded so this is a significant investment they must understand exactly what is involved and exactly what they're signing up to and CMA have concentrated on two areas which are slightly peripheral it's been the practice in social care residential care over the years that just like with um, a tenancy when that if somebody remains in the tenancy after it's come to an end they still have to pay I mean if you're occupying somebody's property you have to pay for it if you're a tenant um, and the arrangement has continued that you have to give notice to leave a care home until that notice expires you continue to pay mm. it's only fair isn't it the care home have got an investment they've got um, a facility they can't let it to somebody else you're sitting in it you can't just walk out and leave them alone so, but what happens if you die because that is a, a a different situation for residential care from hotels and tenancies yes. and if you die you're not able to pay but somebody else will mm -hmm. and the uh, the principle has always been that for a period of time um, originally approved by the government at four weeks that the fees would continue to be paid even after death now the competition and markets authority has expressed the view that that is completely unfair and is exactly the sort of clause that should 
not be there. Our view here is that it's a bit of an irrelevance because by and large people don't enforce the collection and there are other ways of managing that particular process. Increase the fees. CMA can't have anything to do with the level of the fees um, on a week-by-week -week basis. If you increase the fees slightly and absorb that difference, then you have um, made the, the situation easier. Many, many providers are, are just moving away from that. It's the only concrete decision that the CMA have made. And our recommendation would be find another way around it. Although one of our clients actually specifically has the um, standard term clause about payment after death initialed by all their customers, which I think is a bit ghoulish. I'm not, not very keen on, on that sort of thing. CMA have also expressed a view that payments made in advance, lump sum payments as it were, a joining fee for joining the club of exclusivity, that these are unfair and I for the life of me can't understand that. These are people who are going to spend 60, 70,000 pounds a year, maybe more, who are used to taking advice, who are used to contracts, who if they're a bit frail themselves will have families and supporters. They, many of them will have lawyers and accountants. The idea that they can't comprehend that the, in some cases, very luxurious facility where they wish to go to make sure they get what they consider to be the best, that it's very difficult to understand why, why would they have difficulty understanding that there is a price for signing up? Mm. Um, CMA notoriously persuaded a very large provider, and I can't go into the details of that, to actually refund several million pounds of these advance payments. But it hasn't been the subject of a finalised court case. There is another one going on at the moment. Mm -hmm. But clearly there are other provisions. Um, it's a bit of a hostage to fortune to talk about them on camera. But the one that concerns me is this, if this contract runs for two, three, four, seven, eight, nine years, obviously prices go up, don't they? That's a natural feature of life. And they will go up because of natural inflation. They will go up because of inflationary influences like changes in the national minimum wage. Even if staff, some staff are paid higher than the national minimum wage, if national minimum wage goes up, all staff will expect to see an increase. So if those things are going to happen, now how are you going to manage what might be quite a significant rolling increase in fees and how much notice are you going to give and what is the consequence of someone who says, I don't wish to um, pay that increase. The consequence is that somebody in increasing frailty is going to be asked to leave their home. That is something that is really, really quite troublesome. So people, on that issue, which CMA haven't yet come to, people need to think very carefully, and they need to think carefully about how they would feel if they were the service user, if they were the resident. If they were suddenly faced with a 15% increase in fees which they couldn't afford, how much time would they need to look for something else? How would they feel about being removed? Should long-term residents actually um, get the benefit of a price that continues. Mm. What about the provider who may not be able to sustain um, significant cost increases? These are all big problems. The real thing that it comes down to is that when people sign into these contracts, 
they and the people who support them need to understand exactly what they're getting into. Because of that horror at the thought of going into care and really entering what may be the final phase of one's life, often it's left to the last minute. And I have seen the most awful cases really where care homes give no attention at all to sorting out the contracts, to telling people much more than the price. And actually contracts don't get signed sometimes until weeks or months after people have moved in, maybe not at all. Now, that is something that CMA are rightly concerned about, and so should the Care Quality Commission be. People, and so should the provider. The basis of letting somebody come into a facility, I mean, would you let somebody into a hotel without some form of paper being signed, which gave the hotel control over, over their behaviour and over payment? Of course you wouldn't. Um, so we have all of this um, change of culture. See, CMA has said the principal terms should be on the website, they should be publicly available. The staff who are responsible for negotiating the contract should be specially trained and specially aware and should be bringing these terms to the attention of would-be customers right from the very beginning so that when people make that decision to go into a particular home. It's not a knee-jerk decision, but they've looked at all the situations, they've compared them with others, they've made a decision, and they've accepted these terms. And my own view is that if that has been done properly, and if it can be demonstrated that people have accepted the terms because they want to choose a particular home, then, then those provisions are going to be much less amenable to attack either by the service user themselves or their family. Most of these disputes are likely to arise, frankly, after the service user is no longer there, when there are potential claims to and against the estate, maybe for unpaid fees or maybe even from the family saying, well, that was not fair, we want some money back. Those sorts of things, and that those, are, those we should try to avoid. So in practical terms, Paul, how can providers make it clearer to families and to service users, can they take any steps to really get them engaged in the contract? Yes. Have paperwork, have a brochure, have a website. Draw people's attention to those things. The website and the brochure. Make sure you have a one-to-one -one or two-to-one meetings to explain the contract even if people don't want to know about it, which is often the case. I mean, people say, I just want my mum to come into this care home. What's the problem? Well, the problem is further down the line, if you haven't understood and if it hasn't been demonstrated, you may get CMA-type problems. So, that, so the care home can do a lot to intercede with people to make sure they understand and to send them bullet points about the difficult points. It's not the price per week that you pay. Mm. It might be what you pay for extras. Think about if you were the customer, what would you like? What would you expect? What would you want to know about? Mm -hmm. Extras are a big area. Am I going to have to pay for the newspapers? Will I be, can I choose my own toiletries or will I be supplied them? Will I be charged? What about if some people go on outings, will I have to pay for that? And then this 
I think, really thorny question about how long people are going to have to vacate, what is going to happen, and will it be different depending upon the state of dependency of the services or how long they've been in the home. Because if somebody's been living in a home for six or seven years and they're suddenly told, well, if you can't pay, kindly remove yourself and your baggage within three or four weeks, that's a bit harsh, isn't it? Yes. And, I, and I, I think that's something, first of all, the providers have got to think about what they think the provision should be. Then they've got to explain it in a way that the customer might say, well, I don't like that. Can we change it? If not, I'm not coming. Mm-hmm. And then how do you implement it? really important thing is to have clear contract terms, but then actually follow those terms. So if it says you have to give notice of annual increase, say three months before the beginning of the financial year on the 1st of April, make sure you do it. Don't leave it to two weeks beforehand. Mm. You must have some provision, like in the old photocopier hire contract. People must be able to get out of it if they don't like the provision. But how long? It's a bit... It's not really like saying, I don't like your photocopy, or take it away, it's too expensive. But people are invested in relationships and buildings and all of that. So, so these things need to be thought through. What about payment continuing after death? Um, to an aficionado of the sector like me, it's been standard. And it used to give rise to old jokes about the home could be 110% occupied during the course of a year because they would take fees for the month and bring somebody else in. None of that sounds very good. None of it reflects very well. Do you actually want, as a provider, to be associated with something which will be seen as potentially sharp practice, or is there another way of dealing with it? Do you really need to take payments in advance? Do you really want a joining fee? I mean, if you've got a huge waiting list, then there may be very good reasons why you want to take an amount of money before somebody is assessed in need to cover you for the costs that will be associated with deciding what the correct care plan should be. There are two sides to this. It's not all one-sided, mm. as competition and markets authorities seem to suggest. Yeah, I think that's good and interesting in that essentially providers ought to, to be collaborating with service users and their families on new contracts and this new relationship. And hopefully that will go some way to allaying the CMA's fears about unfair terms just as any other service provider of any other service. If they want a successful business with happy customers, that's exactly what they'll do. Thank you, Paul. Did you have any other points? Any take-home key points for providers? No, I think I've covered it. Get your contracts in order, understand them, and make sure that those who are going to come into your service understand those provisions. Thanks, Paul. Thank you, Paul, for that detailed discussion on the CMA and how providers can take steps to avoid any intervention from the Competition and Markets Authority by a simple reflection on contracts. If you want to engage any further with us on this topic or any other issue to do with health and social care providers, you can follow us on Twitter, you can connect with us on LinkedIn, you can email us or just give us a call. All of our details are on screen now. And join us for our next instalment next month. Thank you.